Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infertility in Me podcast. Today I have with me Miss Sarah from FabFertile.com, and that's FabFertile.com. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your business, what you do with your coaching services, and also how people normally come to you? Are, are they uh, infertility people, or are they people who um, are just looking for more natural and holistic ways for care? But you can tell us about the business and yourself a little bit first. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so I had my own journey with um, infertility, like a lot of people that I think are in this space. I, um, so in my early twenties, I was joked I was having menopausal hot flashes. I was an HR. They all at the time, I remember like fan of my face going, Oh, menopause. But, mm-hmm. uh, turns out that's what it was. So at the time I had irregular periods. I had a weird fungal rash on my chest. I had acne, um, all of a sudden on my chin and my, in my teens, I had great skin all of a sudden in my early twenties and started getting acne. And then I had some yeast infections. Mm-hmm. So I had those, these, those four things. And then I, um, the first line of defense was to go to my doctor and he put me on the birth control pill. So I was on the, which is, you know, just a bandaid approach. I was on the birth control pill a number of years and, um, obviously it regulated the cycles, but falsely and the acne went away a little bit, but not, not that much. Um, I had this life plan of getting married at 25, which I did. I got married at 25, wanted to have the kids at 28. So at 28, went in to see my OBGYN and had testing done because uh, when I went off the pill, my, my periods were still irregular. And I was, told, I was told I had premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 28. And told the only way I'd ever have children is by using donor eggs. I remember leaving her clinic, her, she, she grabbed the um, brochure to the IVF clinic, mm-hmm. leaving there just kind of in shock, going, what the heck just happened? And because I'm a person of action, went uh, straight to the fertility clinic, got on a list for donor eggs, and didn't even get a second opinion, didn't even connect any of those other health issues. And we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, and our daughter's 18. So this is back in the day when you said donor eggs, and I think even now when you say donor eggs, it's a little more common, but due to our standard Western diet lifestyle, but um, people didn't even know what I was talking about. So was lucky enough to have our daughter. And then we had two embryos left over, wanted to have our kids close together, super stressed about, you know, this timeline that I had in my mind of having them close together, went back in and those embryos didn't work. And then we went back in and did an, um, with a separate donor and uh, the first fresh transfer that that worked. And so my son is 15, so they're three years apart. Um, so fortunate enough that it did work for me because even people think with donor eggs, there's only a 50% success rate of that, of that working mm-hmm. IVF is 30% sex a success average. And then IUI is 10%. So, you know, I was, I was fortunate with that. But then after I had my daughter, my health began to suffer. I remember having nine colds and every, um, the first year, every cold went to a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every science infection, not a great idea. I completely destroyed my, my gut bacteria. Right, exactly. Um, the health of my gut, yeah. Um, I, so I started getting chronic sinus infections. I got chronic bladder infections, was peeing blood, became allergic to all the antibiotics from the bladder infections. And I got chronic yeast infections. I had vertigo. I had toenail infections. I had dandruff. I had the acne got worse. 
Um, all of this, I was still in HR at the time, still functioning, but my immune system was like pathetic. And so then I wanted to bring uh, life coaching. I wanted to bring coaching to the corporate environment, took a coaching, a life coaching course. And that's when I had my own personal wake up call and discovered I really wanted to get into health and wellness, took a health coaching course. And that's when I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, um, sensitive to gluten and dairy later, uh, was corn, uh, took those out of my diet. Lo and behold, the science infections, the bladder infections, the yeast infections started to go away, um, made lifestyle changes as well, because it's not just about um, eating the right diet for you, made lifestyle changes. And then later, a few years later, later uh, after that, found out I had some gut infections, H. pylori and um, streptococcus and fungal infections, got rid of those. And then, um, and then to really, I didn't figure out any of this until I was 40. I was fully in menopause. So if you're still cycling naturally, there's, there's some things we can do using the functional approach to dig into, well, why, why is it not working in the first place? Gotcha. Gotcha. And so tell us about how you guys go about helping your clients with determining and just narrowing down what the root of the issue is. Yeah, so everyone that comes to me, they're all struggling with infertility. Most people have gone through failed IUIs, failed IVFs, even failed donor egg transfers, and then they, they're like, oh, wait, let's kind of look at the functional approach as the last, the last ditch effort. Um, and also, it, it's changing now as I get the word out more about the, the functional approach and how, and how it can help get to the root cause. But typically, that's, that's who's coming to me. So we coach couples. And we basically, we use, we have access to functional lab testing. So the functional lab testing that we use, we use food sensitivity testing. So right now we're using the, and we don't have any affiliation with the labs. We use the best test that's available currently. So currently we're using the Leap MRT that looks at uh, 200 foods and food chemicals and um, figures out exactly what, 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 what you're sensitive of, what you're sensitive to. Mm-hmm. And so the majority of people that come to me, everyone tells me, or they may say they might have a, a sensitivity to maybe dairy, or maybe they, 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 they might have noticed a few things, but then they could have potentially brought that food back in. So when we do the testing and the elimination diet, we have that done for both partners. I'd say the majority of people have a food sensitivity. So, so we use the Leap MRT, or if we suspect there's a, a high sensitivity to gluten, mm-hmm. or other, other sensitivities, we, we dig deeper with... Um, a Zoomer bundle. So there's a Zoomer, um, a Zoomer gluten, Zoomer soy, Zoomer corn, and Zoomer wheat. And we dig, that really will dig into the different um, proteins in those, those different foods. Um, you may have had a, a celiac test and there's a lot of, there's over 75 proteins in, in, in wheat and uh, the current uh, conventional celiac test only tests for one. So there's a lot of false negatives. So I think people, there's a lot of um, misinformation around the diet piece. A lot of people get that wrong. They're doing vegan or plant-based or keto or paleo or Whole30, and that may have worked for someone, but it may not work for you. So we have so we tweak it with a food sensitivity test, and then we have both partners. And this is even though the man could say my sperm's totally fine. There's always things we can do to, to to optimize his preconception health. So we have both partners do the elimination diet that takes out the top allergens and then systematically reintroduces them over the course of 30 days. I highly recommend everyone if you're struggling with infertility to start with the elimination diet. And then um, if you're not pregnant within 60 to 90 days, tweak it further with the food sensitivity testing. So that's the, the diet piece, which is a big part of our 
program. Um, and the next piece is the hormone. Is there, did you want to have, do you have any questions about that or I can go forward with the hormone? Yeah, I think that's important too, because I have hypothyroidism and um, I know hmm. there's, there's many listeners who have that same issue or either have like Hashimoto's disease and stuff yeah. too. So yeah, tell us about the hormone aspect of it. This is really interesting. Yeah. And so, okay. So we see a lot of people like you that have either uh, thyroid dysregulation, um, undiagnosed Hashimoto's, um, and so we've, so there's actually some studies coming to light about the efficacy of the AIP diet, which is the autoimmune protocol diet mm-hmm. and, um, studies published in the journal, journal of American medicine. I've had both people, um, on my podcast to talk about those studies. First study was, well, the first one with the efficacy of the AIP diet, which is really the elimination diet, but then on steroids. So we don't typically go there first. It can be completely overwhelming and mm-hmm. drive yourself crazy with it. So this is something that we look at as we, as we move along. But um, so the first, part, first study they did was the efficacy of the AIP diet with IBD, so irritable bowel disease. So if you have Crohn's colitis or um, uh, yeah, Crohn's or colitis, and so people, there's 11 people in that study, 75% of them were able to go into remission six weeks into the study just by making um, uh, changes with, it, with the AIP diet. And some of these people had been, have had Crohn's or colitis for like 17, 18 years. So wow. you know, it's a small study, but really just the power of doing a very targeted approach with the diet. And then the second study that they did, and these have all, all been published, um, second study they did was, is, was with Hashimoto's. There were 17 people in the study uh, one person had to leave the study after eight weeks because she got pregnant naturally. Um, the rest were able to reduce their um, thyroid medication and improvements on lifestyle factors. So that's with just with the AIP diet. So that with that diet piece and thyroid. So like we, part of this is we run a um, a blood chemistry review, and it's not too um, it's not too diagnosis to educate. So we see a lot of people with a thyroid issue where they're like, oh, my TSH is totally fine. But in um, it may be flagged as normal in conventional uh, medicine. So they look at the reference ranges for people with disease, where the functional reference ranges are for healthy people. So it's a tighter reference range range and flags it before it actually gets to disease. So your thyroid issue, you want to get, you want to do your TSH and your and the full panel, including antibodies. And we've seen people with undiagnosed Hashimoto's, undiagnosed hypothyroidism. Things typically the T3 and T4, a lot of that happens. So T4, I think, happens in the gut. So if you've got gut issues, we see this a lot with people with gut infections. Um, so that's the like the blood chemistry review. We're looking at vitamin D levels. We see a lot of people with, you know, single digit, single digit, and and teens for their vitamin D, which is a hormone. So like, why is that an indicator of your immune system? So why is that low in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, high B, B12, which could mean that you're not. Um, actually absorbing um, vitamin B doesn't actually mean it is high. Um, we see issues with blood sugar. So it's different for everyone. Again, it's not, it's not to diagnose, it's to educate and really to empower you with the, with the blood chem. The other test we do is the Dutch test, and that looks at your hormones using urine. And, um, and so it looks at your sex hormones, looks at your melatonin. Melatonin is key. Like you want to really make sure you're digging into your, your, your blue and green light exposure wearing... Um, Blue, uh, blue light blocking glasses, which are, which are really helpful for that. Really essential for both male and female fertility, melatonin. Um, and we see a lot of people supplementing with it and then it's too high. So that's showing on the, um, on the Dutch test, which is not a good thing because it's a hormone. And then also, um, 
looking at your cortisol levels. If you've been through years of infertility, you could have like flatlined, your cortisol could be flatlined or you could have high in the daytime. So it's basically different for everyone. So we need to see what's going on with your sex hormones, what's going on with your cortisol, your melatonin, your DHEA, all of that. Um, to then, then it helps us to, to figure out a, a protocol for you. So that's the, the hormone test. Okay. And then um, the next one we do is the stool test, and that looks at the DNA of your stool. So the majority of people we come to, no one's going to think they have a gut infection. I haven't had anyone to sing. It's actually, it's becoming a little more, people, some people have started reaching out to me now because I'm talking about it so much, but um, before most people would be like, wouldn't think infertility and the fact that you have a parasite, a worm, a bacterial infection, a fungal infection, H. pylori we see being passed back and forth to between couples. So really looking at the health of the gut, and especially if you have been on long-term hormonal birth control, like me, for 10 years, mm-hmm. I see this like very regularly when I ask people, women, well, why did you go on the pill? Typically, it was not for prevention. It was for, um, it was for PMS. It was for acne. It was for cramps. It was for heavy periods, light periods. There was a reason they went on it, and now, years later... I see women with it being on it for 5, 10, 15 years, and then that will then predispose you to nutrient um, deficiency. So you could eat this beautiful, and most people are coming to me, they're eating like good organic diet, like a fairly, like a fairly healthy diet. They're not eating a bunch of processed foods. Um, well, you can eat that beautiful, healthy diet, but you could be um, malnourished. Um, you, you could be well-fed, but undernourished. So your body's not actually absorbing the nutrients. And then also because of the pill, it could then predispose you to these food sensitivities, to gut infections. So we see that as a huge um, red flag with a lot of women that are struggling with infertility, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the pill. So the, the, the health of the gut is really good. Um, the, 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 the GI map test is the one that we use for that. And then the last test we use is the hair tissue mineral analysis test. Again, that lets us see what's the status of your minerals. Are the, is there, again, if you're well-fed or, or undernourished, and then we can help to make um, diet and some supplement changes to tweak the um, the mineral status. So it's it's a very uh, holistic approach with with the with the foundation of the testing, and then then you've got to go and make those diet and lifestyle changes um, to help. You know what? Because it's not just about the testing. People get hung up on that. Exactly. You've got to then make those changes. Exactly. And then how do you coach people on? committing to those uh, lifestyle changes that they need to in order to um, and, 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 and become healthier, essentially, and then become pregnant as the end goal. Yeah, so we coach couples, and we use the testing as, as a foundation. We develop a protocol and then um, coach them through that. And it's looking at, looking at your environmental toxins, so um, helping people, like looking at their personal care, their cleaning products, any kind of environmental stressors they may have, plastics, um, even you know, purified water, things like that. Um, the mental emotional side of this. So obviously the, and I think in the infertility, in the fertility community, there's a lot of focus on the mental emotional side of it, and it is very very important. Um, but I think people miss the other stressors. So the other stressors are food sensitivity, are a gut infection, are an environmental toxin, like we talked about, the mental emotional side of it. And the a structural stress. So if you've got scar tissue adhesions, if you have, um, you know, block tubes, or if you've got, you know, something going on, misalignment in your in your in your back or pain in your body, that's got to be looked at as well. That's a stressor. Um, 
So the mental emotional side of it, you know, there's a lot, this infertility impacts all aspects of your life. Um, I would have said when I was going through it that I was totally fine and cause I'm a doer and I just kind of like go for the solution, but I didn't have, this was years ago. I didn't have support. I didn't have anyone to, that was certainly going through donor eggs. No one even knew and knew that was. So reaching out for support with this is, is key. I, as I say, I, co- I coach couples and I see a lot of, um, these people are in love. They want to have a baby, but it's very, it can be very stressful on a, on a marriage. Like intimacy is impacted. Yeah. Um, you know, you could be, I, I coach a lot of, um, professionals, um, in the either doctors, nurses, lawyers, accountants, some busy professionals, um, that, you know, their, their career is like spending more than 50 hours a week. Like all this stress is building up and this impacts, you know, is to get honest about your stressors and see, you know, we, we, we know our body best. And so it's to take a step back so you can take three steps forward. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. And, and so tell me a little bit about your um, book as well, your fabul- fabulously fertile book. Yeah, so I wrote that book about five years ago, uh, Fabulously Fertile. It's on Amazon and basically talks about my story. And then it also talks about some simple changes you can make with, with diet, um, with lifestyle, with some of those stressors we're talking about. Like some of the, I think some of the basic things we know, like probably drinking alcohol is not a great idea right now. Probably, you know, having caffeine, get honest about your caffeine consumption mm-hmm. and looking at like your water, you want to have purified water because you know, being high, hydrated is, is extremely important for the, for your cervical mucus, which gets the egg to the sperm. So uh, sperm to the egg. So like some, it's, it's, it's kind of the basics in that book and also looking at it completely different, um, differently as well from a functional approach and really like the Harvard nurses study came out what was that came out in the 90s, I guess, late 90s. And it was a study of um, 18,000 nurses and that talked about the, the, the fertility diet is based on that, is based on that study and other, other, other um, studies are based on that as well, what they found. But um, so some of the, the things in the fertility diet, like they talk about doing complex carbs, well, our thing is, well, I see a high percentage of people that are dealing with infertility actually have non-celiac gluten sensitivity or celiac and that's being missed. Mm-hmm. So even though complex carbs are nice, but if you're got a sensitivity to gluten, then you probably want to take that out. Um, dairy, like in the fertility diet, they talk about doing full fat dairy. Well, I've seen studies over 75% of us are intolerant to dairy. You know, why are we drinking the milk of another mammal? Um, yeah, why? Yeah. Uh, and so, and so before you go to full fat dairy, well, let's just see if you actually have an intolerance to dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also like chronic stress can then predispose you to some food sensitivity. So, and dealing with infertility, you know, that's obviously, it's a, it's a huge stressor in itself. And people think like the first step to, is, is IVF or an IUI. And to me, that's the last step. It's like, what is your body trying to tell you? There, there hasn't been one person that comes to us and we look at their, we have like a 20 page health history and we dig in with the testing, there hasn't been one person where we're like, oh, I don't know, like there's, there's things for us to work on to be like healing opportunities. And um, yeah, so the, the so my book has some recipes in there and, and some, some guide, guidance to help you start making these changes. And there's talks about specific diagnoses and what, what to do for each diagnosis. But like our, our thing is to not really focus on the diagnosis. People get like my, myopically focused in on their diagnosis we look at the whole body 
and use the testing, look at the blood chem, and then you know, look at your lifestyle and say, okay, wait, what's, what's been missed here? And sometimes yeah. I usually ask people, what do you think it is? Sometimes they say, I have no clue. Other people, well, I think it might be this. So sometimes what you think it is, you know your body best. Like, let's dig in. Yes, absolutely. And I know that you just, or you're just starting a fertility series called Mindfulness, Mindfulness Fertility Series. And you offer that how many times a year? Yeah, so we run the Mindfulness Fertility Series a couple times a year, usually in September and January. Um, so it was just starting actually tonight, um, June 30th. So at, it's, a, it's a live um, group coaching program. I co-facilitate it with a therapist, and she's, she's run the, the program in a fertility hospital setting, a fertility clinic, a hospital setting for years. And we brought it online. I brought it online probably four years ago. So lots of successes with just people it's not just, but it's like making those mindfulness, um, those getting honest about your, your mindset, people getting pregnant just by doing that. Um, especially if you, if you've decided like you listen to all this functional stuff I've talked about and you're like, it is not for me. I can't do any of that. And that's fine. Like, I'm not here to convince you. I'm here to, to educate and bring up, bring awareness to it. But if you're like, you know what, I'm doing the IUI or the IVF to me and insurance, especially if you're doing IVF with the cost of that, you have got to look at your mindset. You have got to dig into that. You've got to be able to visualize it working. Um, that to me is, is insurance for the tens of thousands of dollars you're about to spend because an IVF can take an average of uh, three cycles at a cost of 60K. So exactly. That's big money. Yeah. 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 That's a down payment on a new house. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously there's obviously the functional approaches and there's, there's an investment, but nowhere near the cost of that. Exactly, exactly. I, I thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and, and giving us your expertise in, you know, in, his, in packing a lot of information and, and bringing it down to size for us <laughs> in such a short frame of time. And um, I'm going to link everything that people can get in contact with you um, as far as your website, fabfertile.com as well as your podcast, Get Naturally Pregnant, where they can be more educated in a more detailed way and get the information directly from you and your website and everything. And I appreciate you coming on and giving us a new way and a new uh, perspective on how to deal with fertility and infertility issues. I think it's important that people have options, you know, and they make that decision for themselves based on what they intuitively feel is best for them in their lifestyle. So I appreciate you, Sarah, for taking the time out today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. And they, and they can find me at, I get pregnant naturally. It's on iTunes or, or Stitcher. And as you say, it's, it, it, you've got to do what feels right for you. And it's not about convincing someone. It's, it's really listening to your, your uh, intuition and feeling it feels right for you. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it.